Hello, Life Hook Nation. This is Ray DeLucci with the Life Hook Thoughts Podcast. Hope you all are doing well and hope everyone is staying safe. Before we begin, just a reminder that you can get official merchandise for Lion Cook Nation gear at lioncookthoughts.com. You can also read our blog there as well. We just had an excellent blog post with Chef Nicholas Tran out of New York City, so I hope you'll check it out. If you're listening on Apple, please leave a review. It doesn't need to be a five-star review, but yet an honest review. It helps me get better, and it helps me get more traction on the app. And finally, if you'd like to join us, we're running 40 miles this month in the month of October to raise funds and awareness for World Central Kitchen. It's to raise awareness and to raise funds for the 40 million meals they served for COVID-19 relief. It's to honor that, and I'm really proud of the organization, really inspired by them, and I wanted to give back in some way. All right. So my guest today is Natasha Powell. She is the general manager at Jerk at Night, a Caribbean uh, restaurant in Washington, D.C., with multiple locations. And the owner and the creator of this is her brother, Denville Myria Jr. And he started actually selling his famed Jamaican jerk chicken from his dorm room at Howard University in 2013. And since then, they have expanded so much. In a few years, they've had food trucks, brick and mortar locations in Washington, D.C. and Baltimore. And she shares in this episode that they're actually expanding even further. And I was really excited to talk to them because I've been following their story for a little bit. And just to see them grow this business in this short amount of time was really not only inspiring, but I just think it's a great lesson for anyone getting into food, especially during this time, um, in order to just grow and build a business. And Natasha was very open with how you know they started out with just one food truck and how they weren't not really sure how it was going to go, but just through knowing that her brother's cooking was so good and the reception and the response people had for it, they kept building and they got a second food truck and then that brick and mortar uh, location. And there's a really interesting story in that as well, them getting their first brick and mortar location and the demand of the food that they were serving and the people coming in into that area and the challenges they face from residents around them and not being accepted into an area right away and all the roadblocks that they faced and they were still able to succeed. And I just thought it was an incredible story. And past that, Natasha gives some really great advice on if you are building a business now, a food business, you know, just some advice on how to keep pushing forward and how to have that perseverance. So a really just a great story about great food, great people, and a great just will to succeed and a will to keep pushing through all the BS that can happen uh, when opening a restaurant, opening a food business. I want to thank Natasha for coming on the show. She is a very busy person. You might hear some uh, text vibrations in the background. So I couldn't really edit those out. So sorry about that. There's not many, but did want to make you aware of it. But um, yeah, really great conversation with Natasha. Really wishing the best to the Jerk at Night crew. I'm so excited to go eat and try Denville's food. I do live in the DMV and will be making it down to DC in the next few months to go check them out. Um, but yeah, just really an incredible story. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in on another week of the podcast. And here we go. You know, first off, thank you for coming on the show. And if you just want to start out by introducing yourself, that'd be great. So my name is Natasha Myrie Powell. I am the operations and catering manager for Jerk at Night. Awesome. Well, excited to talk to you. Definitely excited to hear more about the business. And just, you know, obviously, like in the, I live in the DMV area, but in the DC area, I think a lot of people know, you know, what Jerk at Night is. But could you just give like a brief um, introduction to what it is for maybe someone who hasn't heard of it yet? So basically, Jerk at Night is a fusion of different flavors that derive from the Caribbean. So my okay. brother, who is the owner, Denville Myrie Jr., he decided that Howard University students deserved more than just the run-of-the-mill um, late-night takeout 
like Chinese, McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, things of that nature. So he wanted to offer students a healthy alternative. And how we grew up, we grew up and raised by two Jamaican parents and Jamaican grandparents on both sides. So we had three square meals a day. We always had a uh, full breakfast, full lunch, full dinner. And we did not eat like fast food because our parents <laughs> and parents just weren't used to that. So yeah. um, when he decided to offer students a slice of our culture, he decided to do things like uh, jerk chicken, rice and peas, cabbage, you know, wholesome hearty foods. And the reason that he called it jerk at night was because after 10 p.m. on campus, mm. the cafeteria closes. And the only options are McDonald's and Chinese food. Yeah, the typical college fair. <laughs> typical college fair. And it's not healthy. That's how you pack on that freshman 15, 20, and 25. I can definitely oh, yeah. attest to that. Um, Me too. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think mine was freshman 25. And for a lot of students, so after 10, he started cooking in his dorm room and having students and his colleagues come to his dorm room to purchase meals. Okay. And then it got a little, it got a little too big and <laughs> pe- the word got out and people started um, raving about it and it, it, it gained a, so, a certain pandemonium, if you will. And it just got to the point where he was like, okay, I have to get my own apartment on campus where I have a full kitchen. Cause he was like using hot plates and microwaves and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was crazy. But um, when he got his, when he got his apartment off campus in the full kitchen, he was able to have free range. He had his big pit drum in the backyard and he was like smoking jerk chicken. Uh-huh. And he would, yeah, he would have his friends come to the house and take the food and deliver it to his um, friends and uh, fellow students on campus. Wow. Well, that's a cool origin story. You don't really hear that, that too often. <laughs> um, that's awesome. So, obviously, you know, he, so he's on campus, needs to go to an apartment. Then it morphs into a food truck, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So how that went was um, started on campus in the dorms in Drew Hall. And okay. then he moved off campus to an apartment. And um, after the apartment, I want to say 2017, he got his first, I'm sorry, 2015, he got his first food truck. Yeah. And then... 2017 was the second food truck okay and 2019 was the brick and mortar on 1100 a street awesome 2021 we acquired queen's chapel road in northeast cc okay and then also we opened the baltimore location which is where i'm the manager at um 701 poplar grove street in baltimore city that opened soft opening was Juneteenth, June 19th of 2021. And then we did our grand opening on July 3rd. Awesome. Well, congratulations on that. Um, it's definitely exciting. You guys are definitely growing quickly. What was it like? I guess the first few, like, I guess, you know, in the beginning with just food trucks, uh, what was it like to manage and work on that? Cause you know, I, I never actually worked on a food truck, but obviously being in the industry, um, loving food trucks like you know you're able to peer in and see and it's like not a very large space obviously i'm sure there's a lot that's so involved with like organizing planning to feed that many people through that small of a location what was that like to be managing out of a food truck 
basically running a food truck. Um, to be honest, I would prefer, I, I came from the industry. Um, I started serving when I was 18 years old and I did it for 16 years. So running a food truck was challenging because of the space that you have. And I think that was the only challenge that I felt being on the food truck with him. That's the only that's the only thing that Denver knows is food truck. So he, I mean, well, he he worked at a Ruby Tuesdays for like three months, and then he worked at a Gordon Beers for like a month. But after that, he was like, "This is not for me. I want to be, you know, my own businessman." my own business and he realized that the food truck industry was growing rapidly food trucks are becoming very very popular you know during that and they've grown even more now so he wanted to capitalize on that industry and he said you know what i can definitely do that i can definitely bring my you know jamaican food on wheels and to be honest a lot of food trucks a lot of food trucks that we saw around were your typical food trucks were halal Mexican, El Salvadorian, Peruvian, and, um, you know, American with French fries, hot dogs, and hamburgers and stuff like that. You seldomly saw Caribbean food trucks. So he was like, let me tap into this untapped market and let me get a piece of this pie. And the first food truck was challenging because of all the licensing, the certifications. It proved very, very challenging and very tedious. It was it was a definitely a long road coming. And to finally legitimize the food truck, it was like eight months. It was a lot of a lot of certifications and a lot of inspections that you had to go through, a lot of paperwork, a lot of red tape. And we felt that it was it was also because of the lack of funding that we had. There was very little funding. No one, and I mean no one, he went to, you know, almost every bank. In DC, no one would give him a startup cost, startup money. No one would. So everything basically came from him cooking in his house and delivering to students on Howard University campus to get that startup money, all 25. So he had to work really hard to get over that hump. Uh, we finally found an investor within our family. It was a family friend, a good family friend who saw the potential, we made the business plan and forwarded that to him. And he absolutely loved it. And he was like, I, I see the vision. I want to get on board with this. I see great things for Jerk at Night. And we were able to get the second truck. But um, cooking in a food truck and serving in a food truck, especially during the summertime, is challenging due to heat and the small space and the grill being extremely hot. And with that chopping is going on, you're going to get smacked on the arm with a couple pieces of hot chicken. So this is definitely not for the week. I had to do it myself, you know, being in a cushy little restaurant, serving and everything and having an open space kitchen. It was very, very different to uh, a food truck. The space is more confined. You're on top of each other. And um, in, in, in the summertime, it proves very, very hot. But during the winter time, it's also very, very cold. But people are coming out, they're still supporting. So it was just it just took some adjustment. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. And 
what was the moment then, you know, because obviously you guys were able to expand. What was the moment where, like, was there a specific moment, I guess is what I'm asking, where it kind of, like, blew up or you kind of were like, well, we need to, like, what made you get a second food truck and then go into a brick-and-mortar establishment? So um, we've always had the vision, so to speak, to branch a jerk at night into a franchise. We have definitely discussed over the years. Have it, okay. So, have you heard of Golden Crust? I have not. Probably not. Okay. So, in the in the Caribbean community, there is a restaurant, a franchise, should I say, called Golden Crust. The owner is Jamaican. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he started one Golden Crust in New York City, and then for. I think 2021, I'm, I'm not really sure exactly when he started, but now it has amassed to Golden Crust in Florida, in um, Philadelphia, right here in Maryland. Um, and there's a few other branches in, say, North Carolina, South Carolina. So he definitely saw the vision that he wanted, and he said he wanted to franchise a Jamaican restaurant. Okay. And I said, it's been done. And I know if Vic did it, we could definitely do it. We can turn jerk. We wanted to turn jerk at night into a household name. Okay. We wanted to be able to say we're the first Jamaican Caribbean restaurant that there's one of us in all of the States. So we're definitely still on that train. We have our, our um, new location here in Maryland. We got a location in DC. We're working on Detroit right now and also Virginia. Wow. So the, the food trucks, the second food truck came because the first food truck was just getting so much business. And between catering, when we branched out and did catering, that's when we realized we need a second truck. Yeah. We started doing events down at the passport office. We started doing um, Georgetown and GW and Howard and going to, you know, various federal offices and various schools within the D.C. metropolitan area. But when they started asking, oh, can you come to our event? Can you vend at our event or can you do a special birthday party or whatever? We realized that one truck wasn't going to cut it. So we had to get another truck to accommodate all of the requests and the support that we received from the community. Okay. And the food truck came in 2007, end of 2016, going into 2017, we were up and running with the second one. Awesome. Um, and you also asked me about the brick and mortar. <clears throat> the brick and mortar was always on the table. It was just finding the right location. Mm -hmm. And we did our research for about a year, okay. trying to find the right place to um, house our brick and mortar. And we, we looked at U Street, we looked at K Street, uh, we looked at Adams Morgan, and we looked at A Street. And A Street was such a um, a nice, bustling, up-and-coming community and neighborhood. We and all of, we did a lot of research. All the businesses there did absolutely wonderful. Great numbers, great revenue, great sales. And, of course, foot traffic. Foot traffic is heavy on A Street. Yeah. So we definitely wanted to take um, – we definitely wanted to take uh, a, a, get a part of that in regards to um, serving a new community because we were used to going to H, I mean, going to U Street and serving the masses over there. But H Street had no idea who we were. 
So we looked at these other restaurants and we said, hmm, we don't see any other Caribbean restaurants around here within, you know, a mile or two radius. So why not A Street? And it proved to be one of the best decisions that Jerk and Knight had had made. And um, it was it was it was a very it was a, it was a very long world coming mm-hmm. because yet over there was a phenomenal feat. Um, we're still dealing with some issues over there at Eighth Street. We were not welcomed at Eighth Street as other businesses were. Really? <clears throat> Definitely not. Um, if we're going to be transparent and candid, you know, during this 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 cast. I, I would have to say that that was one of our biggest hurdles since Jerk and Night has come to fruition was when we decided to open our first brick and mortar on 8th Street. Really? We were not welcomed at all. The neighbors um, did not like us. And we basically chalked it up to young Jamaican, Caribbean, as they call us, kids, you know, because we were all under 30 at the time. And they were like, you know, who are these kids, you know, trying to come here with their dreadlocks, because my brother has dreadlocks, and um, loud Caribbean reggae music. And then the clientele is different. Our clientele is different. They're, they come from all walks of life. Yeah. And they just used to it because the place that we, um, the building that we took over, we renovated it and put about $180,000 in renovations to turn it from a dry cleaner to a restaurant. Wow. So they were used to a very, very different type of clientele. So yeah. that's that's where the hurdles came from. We don't we don't regret it though. We don't regret it at all. Like, wait, could you explain some hurdles that you faced, like that impacted your business? Because I feel like that is a big deal that you know not a lot of restaurateurs might have to go through. Oh, for sure. So the hurt one of the hurdles. Um, that I briefly touched on was the financial. Mm-hmm. There were other financial hurdles regarding getting the funding for licensing and and certifications and things of that nature. And to to really renovate to renovate that space and to completely gut it and turn it into a restaurant, we had to put in, you know, certain drains and pipes, and we had to redo the plumbing. We had to do hood work gas redo the gas lines and electricity add you know outlets and things of that nature and that that costs money Mm -hmm. and because i said we were not taken seriously by a lot of people in the industry um no one was willing to loan denville any money yeah so a lot of it um like i said we found an investor once we got the second truck and he helped us with the with with some with some capital, but I would say seventy five percent of the cost, the total cost to renovate eleven hundred A Street came from the supporters of the two food trucks. Wow, that's basically what that's all we had. Yeah, that was the building, that was getting the inventory, that was paying our workers. All of that came from our supporters our fans and our community that loved jerk at night. That's awesome. And, um, the second hurdle I would say came socially from a lot of the neighbors Mm. in a street. Uh, like I said, they did not like us. They, they call the police on us routinely for routine for what? 
every day. Wait, what was it? Um, noise. They would call the police on us. Noise. They would call the police on us because we were uh, we had a drum like a, a pit smoker that we were using outside and in front of the building, and they felt like it was not a good look, and they didn't like the smell that was coming from the smoker. Um, okay. They also said that the food truck was way too loud when we would start it up and we would shut down. Um, they also stated that a lot of our customers would um, take their parking spots on the street. Because, you know, a lot of D.C., and this is why I would never live in D.C., but <laughs> a lot of D.C., they don't have garages, yeah. so they have to park in front of the street. So during that time, we did not have we have maybe about three spaces that were designated for our customers and we we had a lot more than three customers come through yeah. so it would be like dozens and dozens of customers lining along 8th street lining up 1100 1100 street and they were just tired they were like oh we would come home and there's people in front of my house and it was it was just an ongoing process to try to get these neighbors who to work with us, yeah. so to to actually give us a chance in the neighborhood, because we weren't there that long before you know all the complaints started coming in. Yeah, and I'm sure. So yeah. the police, the police, you know, we we were very good friends. The police knew us by name, mm-hmm. so they, they were they came frequently, came, supported us, you know, bought food and everything. But um, we're we're actually in a legal battle right now. Um, on 1100 A Street with the landlord that um, is ongoing. Uh-huh. So we're, like I said, we're going through a lot of hurdles right now, and that is that is one of them that we're continually, continuing to to go through at this present moment. Well, wishing you the best of luck, you know, and everything. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I just can imagine. I mean, like owning your own business, owning your own restaurant, then having the food trucks, and then on top of all that, to have to deal with people who are just maybe closed-minded or just not welcoming to someone not, not like them is pretty it's a big that's a big uh task to accomplish yeah that's true closed-minded yep for sure so well definitely no exciting things yeah I'm, well i'm glad you all are you know pushing through and are obviously you know obviously i'm sure there's hurdles and i'm sure there's it's not like perfect but you know being able to open all these locations and like you said expanding even more i think that's uh that's great so it's for sure. it's good to see you all pushing through um, and just making it happen. I do have a question. So you mentioned earlier in the podcast that your brother wasn't a fan of restaurants. He he was like the food trucks my thing. So what was it like for him to like? Was it his idea to open the restaurant? Because that seems counter counter <laughs> to his feelings before uh, before um, when you said you know when you were saying that. So. Let me rephrase. When he said restaurants were his thing, he meant the chain That's restaurants. That's fair. Okay. Like Ruby Tuesdays and the Gordon Bears, like the, the American chains. Yeah. He was just like, they're the run of the mill and they're very routine. They they don't think outside the box. It's like you have to you have to dress a certain way, you have to act a certain way, you have to convey yourself a certain way. And it, it didn't give him the freedom to be himself. Yeah. And uh, Denville's a very eclectic and a very free-spirited individual. And that's why I believe his food is so good is because he allows his emotions and his feelings to pass through onto his food. He has a passion for cooking. 
And all of our customers, when they describe Jerk at Night, they say, I feel the love in the food. And that is most important when you are cooking and when you have a passion for food, your customers and the people who are consuming your food should feel your passion in every bite. And that is what he always wanted for Jerk at Night. He wanted Jerk at Night to be on a different level than these other chain restaurants. He wanted to bring something different, fusion-style cooking with a solid Caribbean base. And a lot of restaurants we we saw, even Caribbean restaurants that claimed to be Caribbean, they it's like they conformed to the modern ways mm-hmm. or just old traditional ways yeah. of, of restaurant style cooking. Rest, um, like, you know, restaurant Bibles where you really don't have much creativity in, in, in the dishes that you create or that you replicate, should I say? Yeah. But with Denville, <clears throat> he allows his chefs to be creative and to put their own soul and passion into the dish that they create as well. That's awesome. Because he does it. He does it all the time. Like, I've always told him no two dishes that I've had from him has always been the same. Okay. Because he's always thinking of new creative and innovative ways to make the dish better. Yeah. And to make it more robust. To make, um, to and he, he uses an array of herbs and spices. He's always researching different herbs, different spices to use and where to get them. Mm-hmm. He frequents Jamaica a lot and he brings back a lot of good stuff <laughs> that he uses in the food. That's awesome to hear. No, I think that's so cool. Um, just a few more questions. I know we're coming up on our time. Um, but uh, what do people get wrong about Caribbean food? People get the fact that just because it's Caribbean, that it's automatically spicy. Okay. That's the one thing that is so wrong. And that's like, a, that's a total myth. Caribbean food does not have to be spicy. Mm. Now, I'm not going to say that Caribbean food doesn't tend to be spicy or have a little kick to it. But there's a difference between having that spice and that kick versus being drowned in scotch bonnet pepper, mm. which is a spice that, you know, Caribbeans, we use frequently in our food. Yeah. But the most important thing about Caribbean food is the flavor, is the the spices, the array of herbs, the seasoning, not the spice. Yeah. That is not what makes our food Caribbean. What makes it Caribbean is the flavors that we use to bring the food to life. Awesome. No, I mean, I, I, I think that's cool that you know, I was explaining that because... Yeah, I think that is a stereotype of like it being spicy, and obviously, yeah. I think that that's a good amount of cuisines too that you know maybe people aren't familiar with, uh, where it's like, oh, it's gonna be spicy, and it's like, no, it's just like there's different dishes everywhere. Um, what are some? If you want, could you share just some like menu items someone could expect if they were to come, you know, eat at Jerk at Night? Absolutely. So I'm going to give you a couple of our favorite menu items. Well, I, I'm going to give you Denville's favorite. Denville's favorite menu item is the jerk box of Mac. And the reason why that's the favorite is because he has created a way to fuse 
the traditional American, the baked American mac and cheese mm. with Caribbean flair. And by Caribbean flair, he uses jerk seasoning and chives and pimento and um, total seasoning, badia, tropical. He blends all of those seasonings to make a mac seasoning that he uses with his mac roux. Okay. Now, have you ever heard? You know what yeah, roux, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say he definitely. <laughs> so he he does a cheese roux, a cheese base, yeah. and then he mixes it with his mac seasoning that only goes in the mac, and that is very. It's a very, very flavorful mac. It's 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 almost indescribable because of the amount of seasonings that he uses and the herbs and spices, and it's so so creamy, and. People come from all over. They will come just for a side of Mac. They will order it on Uber Eats, on Grubhub, just that side of Mac, or they'll order like two and three. It's one of our, it's one of Jerk and Night's staple dishes, honestly. Okay. And the Jerk the Mac, it comes with uh, mac and cheese, three pieces of smoked jerk chicken, smoked in the drum pit. Got to do that because that's, that's authentic. You're making chicken right there. And a very soft, buttery, flavorful rasta bread, as we like to call it. Okay. So that dish you will see at both menus. You'll see that on the food truck. You'll see that at Baltimore and D.C. And, of course, our staple menu item is the Yardie. And the reason why we call it the Yardie is because this is one of the – this is one of the the most cooked dishes, I would have to say, for Jamaica. Okay. Because it it – involves the smoked jerk chicken, the rice and peas, and the seasoned cabbage. Okay. And those are all all three of those are very common in Jamaica. Those like every every Jamaican cooks that at least for lunch or dinner. All right. So that's like a national dish right there. So that's why we call that the yardie because it comes from yard, Jamaica. And um another dish that our um patrons have grown to love is the Rasta pasta. Okay. So the rasta pasta that comes with penne noodles, jerk alfredo. He also has a special seasonings special seasoning sauce for the alfredo, and um, it's also cheese based, Parmesan cheese based, mm-hmm. and it comes with bell peppers, onions, and uh, parma- shaved Parmesan cheese on top, and your choice of protein, whether it be chicken or salmon. Okay. Or you could do it style. Awesome. You could do that veg. And the last one is our jerk tacos. You can get our jerk tacos on uh, with vegetables, with chopped white meat chicken, or with salmon. And it's two fluffy tortillas, eight inches, grilled to perfection, has like a little crisp burrilla style to mm-hmm. it. And um, it comes with rice and peas or cabbage or mac and cheese, whatever you decide. Awesome. That is one favorites that's that's one of the favorites from our patrons is those jerk chicken tacos it all sounds amazing i when i was doing research for this i kind of knew these dishes were very popular so as you're naming them off i was kind of expecting some of them like the pasta the pasta pasta and the the mac and cheese so yep yeah no it's good i i I just moved down to the dmv a few months ago so a goal of mine is to come try your food within like the next month or so so please please (laughs) welcome you with open arms and you wouldn't just try one thing we have to we have to hook you up with a couple of things 
You gotta try the macaroni. You gotta try the pasta. The, the jerk tacos. Cause it's just that. That's just what we do as Caribbeans. We like to have family style food. All right. You know, we we give we like to give our our, our best to to our new customers, and we want everybody to taste everything so they can get a broad range of what it is that we're that we sell and what we're about. Yeah. So please let us know anytime you're ready to come over. We will welcome you with open arms. Yeah, definitely. I have a couple friends in DC, and so. We'll, we'll come by. I, 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 I mean, I'll go by myself, but like you said, I want to try a lot of things. And so, and I don't, and I cannot yeah. eat it all on my own. I, so I will definitely bring, bring people. We just did that the other day. We had a Dominican soccer team come through and it was about five of them. And they were like, what do you recommend? And I said, everything on the <laughs> menu. I said, I see, we're going to bring you a dish of each thing. And they enjoyed it. There was not, nothing was left. It sounds. They enjoyed it. I can, I can eat a lot of food. But I feel like there's more food in this situation than I can handle, so it's good. <laughs> that's that's what people definitely say about Jerk and I. They said the food is on point, but it's also very it's very flavorful, and we also give a good portion where they have enough left over for a whole another meal. That's awesome. Last, yeah, that's how we Yeah, no, it, it, I'm excited. I'm really excited to try it. Um, last question before uh, we head out is. You know, your your business, your brand, you, your brother, everyone at Jerk and Knight have really forged ahead and just created this business in a relatively short time. Uh, you know, it, it's been, you know, it's a, a long, I'm sure a long few years in terms of like the process, but it's happened over the course of like the last, like I think five or six years you were saying. So what, um, yeah. what advice would you give to someone kind of maybe in your, like if you could go back and give yourself advice on day one or kind of just like, hey, you're going like, to just expect this or be ready for this because, you know, there's probably someone out there trying to grind and, you know, make a business on their own as well. What advice would you give them? What I would say is that I would say a couple things, honestly, a couple things learning from this business is that you have to have really thick skin because you will hear a lot of no's. You will hear a lot of, are you crazy? What were you thinking? What are you thinking? Like, that's not going to work. You'll hear a lot of those things. And the second thing is um, to make sure that this is truly what you want to do, because this is not a nine to five. It it is a 24 hour business, Mm. 24, seven, 52, 365. Every day that we wake up, jerk and I is the first thing on our mind, honestly. Yeah ways that we can evolve the business, ways that we can promote the business, ways that we can build our brand. It is a 24-7, around-the-clock job. It is a career. So you have to be sure that you are passionate, that you are strong-willed, and that you're willing to sacrifice because you're not going to be able to make those social functions. Yeah. You're going to miss out a lot of functions. You'll miss out on, on family members events, birthdays, anniversaries, and things of that nature, friends, events, and things of that nature. I'm missing out on a friend's um, child's birthday party in two weeks because we have a, a huge event for Jerk and Night that's going to that's gonna be, you know, amazing. Yeah. So you, you, have to, you have to have that, that gumption. You have to have that fire in your belly to say, I am willing to put everything aside 
and focus 100% on my craft, on my business for it to be successful because you cannot half step this. There is no half stepping in this business. You are going to get whatever it is that you put out. And if you are putting in 100%, it may not come right away, but it will come. You will get that 100% back. And that leads me to the third point is having patience. You must have patience because this industry, it changes. It goes up and down. It is a roller coaster. One minute, you're in the game. The next minute, you might be riding the bench. It happens. Things happen on a day-to-day basis. Events happen. Things come up. And you just have to adjust. You have to be very fluid. And you have to be willing to adjust and roll with the punches. So perseverance, like I said before, perseverance is is the key. And this is not going to be all about self-gratification. This is not going to be an overnight success. You are going to put in a lot of blood, a lot of sweat, a lot of tears, your hair may fall out, but it'll grow. It'll grow back. <laughs> and you might you might find yourself, you know, getting a few gray hairs a little earlier than expected. But when you when you walk up to, you know, your food truck, so you walk you walk up to your brick and mortar, you park your car in the front and you see that name on that building lighting up and you see people walking in and out buying your food coming to patronize your business from near and far, it will all be worth it. All be worth it. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. That was great. I think it's great advice. And it's a testament to what, you know, you've shared this entire episode, how all the, th- all the challenges starting in a dorm room to yes. now this, it's, <laughs> it's quite the incredible story. So thanks for sharing it all. Awesome. Very proud of yeah, yep. you guys should be proud. It's it's great. So, and all my podcasts the same way. I call my listeners, the people listening to the show, the people who follow the Instagram, the Wine Cook Nation. Really, it's a group of chefs, but you know, we all start cooking in some way. But it's a group of chefs, people in front of house, back of house, people in the industry who just yep. want to like grow and connect with each other. So now that you've been on the show, what does it mean for you to talk to an audience like that? It is very humbling to me. Very humbling because like I said, I have been in this industry for 16 years. It's been a long time coming and Jerk and Knight has allowed me to be in that managerial capacity um, full force and be a partner in a business, something that I never saw for myself. So I, I really just want to express to everybody that's in the industry, front of house, back of house, whatever your craft is, whatever your skill is definitely capitalize on it, make yourself more marketable. I encourage everybody to cross train, get familiar with front of house. If you are back of house, get familiar with front of house. If you are front of house, get familiar with back of house. Cause that's what I had to do. I was front of house. That was my bread and butter. But running this business, I had to run back of house and front of house. So I had to be ready to jump on the grill if I needed to, or get back in there and do kitchen production if I needed to. So, Verse yourself, hone all of those skills and make yourself more marketable in this business. And you can write your own ticket, I'm telling you. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much, Natasha, for sharing all that. And this was a pleasure to talk to you.
So there you have it. The interview with Natasha Powell from Jerk at Night. As always, please leave a review if you're on Apple. If you want to get merchandise, go to linesofthoughts.com. That's where you can also find our official blog. And don't forget to donate to World Central Kitchen using the link in the show notes. Thank you all so much. I hope you enjoyed the story of Drunk at Night. Thanks for listening to another episode, and I'll see you on the next Lines of Thoughts podcast.